this is Talking Sea, your weekly supply of the dark side. Not just the dogmatic narrow view of the Jedi. Welcome everybody to Talking Sith. I am Josh Roach. I'm Casey Schreffler. I'm Sean Sullivan. Hi, Sean. Happy birthday. Well, it's not my birthday. Well, it, it was your birthday. You didn't know ago. it was my birthday. Well, two days ago. <laughs> two, two, day, well, thank two you. days ago. Yeah, today thank is you. June 10th, 2019. There are 192 days until the rise of Skywalker. And uh, congratulations are in order for uh, Casey as well. Yeah, we uh, I shot a produced a music video for Asher Angel that featured Wiz Khalifa, called "One Thought Away." It was a number one trending video on YouTube for like two days. It had over two million views in two days. I don't even know what it's at right now. I haven't checked, it's, but it's over three it's, million something. I just looked at yeah, it. It's doing supremely well. That's kid's super talented. Yeah, that's awesome. It it actually spurred me to watch Shazam last night for the first time. Sh- Shazam is a really good movie. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. It is, it's my favorite yeah. DC movie right now. Yeah, it's super fun. DC really, really did a good job. And this first, like, I actually watched that movie in preparation for the because I knew I was going to see him again, and I had to like I had I felt obligated to watch it, so I so I watched it, and I was like, damn. Like this is dope. So like when he got out of the car, like his parents remembered me and stuff, and said, "Hey, what's up?" And hey, he remembered me too from the chemistry video I did from him last year. And uh, I was like, "Yeah, dude, I, I watched Shazam this week. That shit was dope. Like, good job." Yeah, that was awesome. And, I, and they're they're making another one too, I think. Oh really? Yeah. Sean, have you seen uh, Shazam? I have not. I've not seen it yet. It's actually it's actually pretty. It's really really fun. Yeah, you should check it out. It's a fun time. Uh, Sean, we. Uh, we also have something for you here, a message. See if I can find uh, it here. Searching through the uh, the hollow messages uh, here. Pull up the com link. A message, let's this hear it. This is Darth Vader, Lord of the Sith and Commander of the Galactic Empire. It was during my meditation that I sensed a great disturbance in force. <laughs> it was then I realized it was your birthday. Most impressive. Your age has increased your control of your emotions. This will give you a clearer path to the dark side. But before that, let me deliver you this specialized message. Compliments of the Galactic Empire. <clears throat> Happy birthday to you. Happy <laughs> so, birthday so stupid. to you. Happy birthday wow. from the dark side. Happy birthday to you. Wow, thanks, Darth Vader. Uh, hey. That sounds, sounds, sounds eerily similar to, to Josh Roche's voice with a Darth Vader like. Yeah, it's kind of it. That, that actually wasn't me, but, uh, but I'm. Uh, uh, thanks for thinking I'm uh, that talented to do a doll beta voice. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, happy birthday, Sean. Welcome to being 30 years old. You joined the club along with Josh, myself, and a lot of other people. My wife. Yeah, yeah she's one of them. Probably <laughs> se- several hundred at least. 
Yeah, I, I, there are dozens of us. <laughs> we are dozens everywhere. of you. <laughs> yeah, so we crossed the threshold, man. Uh, I can't imagine being 30 when we were hanging out, out as kids, man. I couldn't have imagined it. Well, I, I always thought that our good friend Larry wouldn't make it past 30 because of his crazy shenanigans <laughs> and stunts that he would pull. Uh, and it just felt, it just seemed so old at the time, but I don't really feel <laughs> that old. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. 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 I feel only a couple days out of my twenties, right? No, I don't know. I don't feel, I don't feel <laughs> different. I feel like I love star Wars as much as I did every other day of my life yep. after, <sighs> after I saw it the first time that is. So, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you were like two months old, you probably didn't like star Wars very much. But I didn't know what it was. <laughs> Yes. How was uh, how was everybody's week in Star Wars? Anything uh, notable? I, I just watched the trailer for uh, Jedi Lost. It's pretty awesome. I uh, yep. I'm tr- I'm trying to avoid that, but I guess for this the 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 case of this podcast, I'm not going to be able to. Uh, so I, I will watch, watch the extended gameplay. Yeah, of that. Fun. Fall in order. Fall in order. Or fall. Yeah. Fall in order. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. That's what I meant. So I, I, I watched I watched the gameplay of it, yeah. Yeah, I will I will watch that. Um, but other than that, I just I have a ton of friends that have been going to Galaxy's Edge. I've been avoiding spoilers to that and trying to not see a ton of video. So when I go, I am, you know, relatively surprised. I don't even know exactly what can be done. The one thing that I did read is that if you want to get a lightsaber, you need to go earlier during your reservation because you only have four hours, I think. Yeah. And uh, I have heard a lot of people saying, yeah, don't go try to do your lightsaber early and wait till farther towards the whenever your reservation is uh, later at night or if you're there in the afternoon that the Falcon really dies down towards the end. So, like, save the Falcon for a lot for it, but save it till the end. Don't let that be the first thing you do. All right. Yeah, no, I, I think because uh, Carla was saying that Olga's Cantina gets pretty packed and we want to go there, too. So I think the first thing we're going to do is try to go there, maybe hit up the droid shop, see what, take a look around, do a lightsaber, and uh, just kind of explore explore the area. I've heard rumors about this black kyber crystal. There's actually a video on YouTube about how to get it. And uh, But I don't... Oh, man. It's lucky to draw. Yeah, but I don't want spoilers. I, I kind of want to figure it out. We're pass holders, so we'll we'll go... Here and there, you know, if I'm lucky enough to get it, I'll get it. We'll see. Well, if you guys can, can a see real it. man makes his own luck. I can't because it's blurred because he turned the blur on. Uh, I don't have nope. the blur on. Do you do have the blur on. I don't know what you're talking about. Conveniently blurring that. That there it is. You guys remember uh, a few oh. weeks ago I talked oh. about yeah. how I figured out Palpatine was the Emperor, and it was oh, you the, found it. Or the first action figure. I found it on eBay for like eight bucks. <laughs> carded everything it's it's like pristine condition but so here you go it, it says on the front uh, episode one flashback photo and it has this little flashback photo pull down and so here is how i figured out that uh the emperor was uh and senator palpatine were one and the same Terrible. so yeah that's uh got that this week <laughs> can you imagine how surprised you would have been if you like never connected the dots until like episode three Oh my god! <laughs> oh I mean, my god! 
Yeah, I mean, we were, we were. It was before our time, but imagine being in the theater when everyone learned that Darth Vader was Luke's father. Jesus, right? Oh man, yeah, that's what I'm waiting for. Uh, episode nine, like, there's got to be. I'm sure there's going to be some sort of revelation that's going to be this trilogy's moment like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, some sort of like indelible. Hopefully. I mean, I think they'll try to do something like that, but is it going to resonate as much as as the Vader moment? I don't know. That's a pretty hard one to top. For our gener- for, for like the new generation, I think so, because you have a ton of young people who are all of a sudden interested in this thing that came out 42 years ago. You know what I mean? So, I mean, the people who were 20, 30, 40 going to see Star Wars in a theater, like like we were, like, could you imagine, like, us going to see Star Wars being 30, 40? We'd be 72 Well, now. I am going to you know be 30 I mean? when I go see Star Wars, so. Right. Well, yeah, no, we've, we've also been younger, oh, but I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about the original yeah, yeah. Star Wars when it came out. Like, we, we'd be 72, and we don't consider ourselves old now, <laughs> but, you know, who knows what what will come yeah. with time. So I, I think, don't even uh, know what a, like I, I I don't even know what kind of surprise or like, you know, like, twist it would be. But that's the best kind, right? Something we can't predict. Something to do with Palpatine, I'm sure. Oh, hopefully it's good old Sheave rocks. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, my good, uh, I was guy. I was asking my dad about it the other day. Uh he was over for dinner and I asked him like, "What, you know, you remember the first time you saw Star Wars or heard about Star Wars?" And he was when it premiered. He was uh, overseas in the navy, and uh, when he was so a he navy said seal. he didn't hear anything. <laughs> he didn't hear anything about it until he got back. And oh, yeah. yeah, so he's like, "Yeah, I heard I had nothing." He was like over near like Beirut or something like that, and he's back in important to Charleston, and everybody was talking about this Star Wars, and he's like, what? When the heck Star Wars? So he went and saw it. So it was pretty crazy. But, uh, yeah, did you guys see this post from, uh, what's this guy's, can somebody pronounce that name? Chris Argyropoulos, I believe. Argyropoulos. Argyropoulos or Argyropoulos. On the 6th, he uh, tweeted out, excited to welcome our friends from Repop here at Lucasfilm today to chat Star Wars Celebration. Planning for Anaheim is afoot. So and it is Reed Pop confirmed. Yep. Reed Pop again. Great. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we know to say the name Emily and we'll be right. fine. Yeah. So at least that might still get us get us somewhere. But it, it got me curious, so I looked up when they announced Star Wars uh Celebration Chicago and it was May sixteenth. So okay. it was about eleven months out. So if we if we were to take that as any kind of indicator, we're we're at this point we're looking at eleven months out. There's no way that they're gonna do it in the dead of summer. It's so hot out here. <laughs> You're looking at it being a hundred degrees outside with people in costumes. Either it has to be spring or fall. Otherwise people will probably literally die. I mean but <laughs> I mean, but maybe it'll make like a ja- like a Jakku or Tatooine theme or something. That'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, but what if what if you want to dress up as Darth Vader, dude? Those people are going to be 
Miserable. There were stormtroopers on Tatooine, man. They survived. Yeah, hey, man. <laughs> they were fine. Yeah, I know. If you, if you really want to get in the role, you'll do what must be done. Yeah, but... Man, I I just I if it's if they're talking July next year, there's just it's heat stroke abound. I mean, okay, what, so so the, wouldn't you want to do it like right before? Well, I guess there's not there's no movies that are lined up to come out in the spring, so nope, nope. Either spring or you wait till fall. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking maybe fall. I would not be opposed to fall. Fall's a good time. It's a little more time to. Uh, I guess it depends on like what their release schedule is going to be for you know Disney Plus and everything as well. Yeah, I don't I don't see them doing it earlier, especially with this year. It's it's a our rainy season is like our winter early spring, so it would have to be April or what about October, like, man? October is not bad, but still like it's still I mean like it's 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 warm, but it's not unbearably hot it's probably still like 75 sometimes 80 degrees out which is good temperate but sometimes in the summer man like it it gets up to like 112 and nope (laughs) i wouldn't even want to go outside to the food trucks dude (laughs) like my my kids like we just took my kid to the doctor today because she had a rash on her torso it turned out to be heat rash heat bumps yeah yeah Yeah. terrible Called it, Carlos' fault. Yeah, no, like my my mom and I both thought it was heat rash too, but like uh, when Carla puts her to bed, she put her like the night before. She put her in this like like dinosaur onesie sweatsuit thing, and I'm just like Jesus. She's not. She is half me, Carla. I hate the heat. <laughs> it is not cold right now. You're, you're like Indiana Jones with snakes. Yeah. Well, why's it gotta be hot? <laughs> Why did it have to be hot? Why did it have to be the hot? <laughs> so on uh, June 8th, we had E3, the Jedi Fallen Order poster uh, dropped. I don't have the poster. Didn't you guys see the poster for that? I did. I saw Saw Guerrera kneeling on the ground. Yeah. Oh, a young yeah. Saw. So some of the uh, the the in-game play footage that's been dropped also had some Saw Gerrera footage in there. What do you guys think of uh, Saw? Saw's popping up. Saw Gerrera is everywhere. Like, he is fast becoming the glue that's holding the Star Wars saga together. <laughs> well, he's a really awesome I mean, character, uh, and, he's, and he's funny. Yeah, I mean, they got a really good actor who's yeah. tying it all together. Well, hey, you guys you guys realize that the character Saw Gerrera actually originated on the Clone Wars. And when they were planning Rogue One, they had a, you know, like a uh, militia type, you know, guerrilla warfare guy. And somebody in the story group said, well, hey, we got a, a militia type guerrilla warfare guy from the Clone Wars. Let's just uh, let's throw him in there. So he's in the Clone Wars. He's, of course, in Rogue One. He shows up in like Catalyst. I think he's in the uh, he's in the Han Solo uh novelization the solo novelization um where uh at the end of solo what's her name uh yeah. no the the other girl that's yeah. uh, oh the, like the the yeah i know the one who wears the stuff yeah 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 oh the the uh, uh gosh dang it the, uh, uh, i can't remember F- her name the F- not the effing mon <laughs> it, it's definitely not effing mon yes 
Entus Entus Nest. Nest. Yes, I knew something <laughs> like that. So <laughs> in the novel, man. <laughs> in the novel, after uh, Han gives her all the uh, the hyperfuel, Han takes off, and there's a scene where she meets up with somebody, and it's uh, Saw Gerrera. And Saw Gerrera takes all the, the hyperfuel. And actually, if you guys noticed, uh, one of the Cloud Riders with um, Enfys Nest is two tubes, is what they call him. It's Sagrera's right-hand man when you get up to uh, Rogue One. Wow, that guy's oh, everywhere. It's interesting. Jin, Jin, did they send you here to kill me? <laughs> <laughs> he, he also makes the... Uh, he, he, became, a... he became, like, super paranoid by the oh, end. Which... Well, what does he say when, like, that brain-sucking thing, like, comes up? <laughs> oh, God, we'll know the truth. <laughs> What? What's he say? He's like, it's like, do no problem. You may lose your mind or something like that. Lose your mind. Yeah, yeah. Awesome line. He's uh, yeah. He also shows up in uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan. He, uh, I'm pretty sure he, 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 he kills Panaka. I'm pretty sure. What? Yeah. So Panaka, Episode One, um, Padme's, you know, head of security. He uh he becomes the moth of like the governor moth moth panaka of the Naboo system, and uh, he blows him up. I'm pretty sure. Wow. Yeah, he's all over the place, man. He's in Rebels. Um, you know, button heads with Mon Mothma and the rest of the rebellion. Now he's uh in Fallen Order. So it it kind of makes me think. I wonder what this what this uh this Jedi. I think his name is Kale. Yeah, his name, Kale uh, Hendershot. Um, Kale. I wasn't, I wasn't gonna say it, but that's what I was thinking. I, I was thinking Kale, like our buddy from uh, Star Wars Galaxies. Kyle was his Kyle. name, though. Kyle, yeah. But uh, it, it makes me think. I wonder how much, like, is he gonna be maybe like leaning a little more towards the dark? He's a little more into like the uh, the revenge destruction side of things, like Saw. Be interesting. Interesting. Also this week, uh, we had the Las Vegas Licensing Expo. Sound uh, exciting, guys? Yeah, I'll actually be in Vegas in like 11 days, 10 days, 11 days. So if you see in the show notes here, um, we've got two um, images from their uh, the marketing of The Rise of Skywalker showing some pretty good shots of Kylo Ren's helmet. Wow. Uh, after it got put back together by the monkey. <laughs> Definitely not a monkey. Definitely not a monkey. It's a winged monkey boffin. So it definitely looks like they didn't do that good of a job fusing it together. See what's 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 crazy to me is how the lines and where the wherever the welds were are still glowing red. Yeah. Glowing. Yeah, some people have suggested like maybe it's some sort of uh they're actually using um a bled kyber crystal of sorts. And so, you know, kyber crystals are infused with the force and whenever a force user comes into contact with them, they do they will glow and stuff, so it could just be like the force emanating from him making the bled kyber crystal glow. I'm one, red. I'm so, one with the force and the force is with me. Could be. Could be, could be just for effect. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I, I doubt it'll. We 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 kind of touched on this last episode, 
I doubt we're going to get a whole lot of, you know, backstory and. Yeah, I don't think so either. They got to they got to push it forward pretty quick. I mean, it looks super menacing. I mean, it kind of reminds me of uh, Dryden Voss, his uh, facial. Yeah, it's scars or lines that would glow as he got angrier. Maybe it's something like that. So do you guys think it'll do that? Do you think it'll like brighten up and dim like with his mood or something? I mean, if be- it. I mean, if it's if it's a kyber crystal type thing that also is made from the force, that would make sense, right? Okay. Right. Yeah. Maybe when he's using the force. Yeah. Just glows with rage. That'd be pretty similar to like what you said with Dryden Voss, though. Right. Right. But so, I think it looks. I think it looks menacing enough to where they'd probably want to use that again. I. I think it's a cool thing. Like when when you get mad, you know, sometimes veins pop out and stuff. This is a visual yeah. way to see like. He's losing his temper. Yeah. He can be, Besides can, him destroying yeah, consoles. To, right. Another way to read his mood beneath the mask. So you can yeah. tell if he's getting real pissed off without saying anything. Yeah. yeah. I think, and I, yeah, I think that's probably the best way to put it because you can't see his face. So it's hard to convey emotions and stuff like that. Right. So uh, I think, yeah, I think, you know, that he's starting to get pissed if those. <laughs> If those bitches start glowing, sorry, you better, I didn't say that. You those better female dogs. <laughs> female dogs running if around they, Los Angeles. If they start, if they start glowing, you better run. Yeah, that must be something. Yeah. Wrong, must be something wrong with those dogs. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was a thing I brought this up while we were in Chicago for celebration, but art stuff. When I was in college, there was this like big thing going around. About how there was this large the, the dogs pack, in Chicago are pack of like underground feral dogs, dingoes. Yes, yeah. you know I don't dingoes. know. Strays. You, know, you brought that up, and the guy was like, "I, I don't know what you're talking about." He was I like, remember, I remember hearing about it. <laughs> He's from, like, "I never from, heard of these dogs, man. I don't know." What you're... I remember hearing about it from a ton of different people when we were there, okay. while we were in college. I don't know. Maybe it was a false thing, but I like to imagine it's real. They were they were Bothans delivering the Death Star plans. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that that, that was probably it. We got a. We can hear my daughter out in the hallway. She's she's arisen. Sleep monster. It has been fully regenerated. She went. She went quiet. She might have wandered back into her bedroom. She could be the guest. Oh boy, she 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 likes Darth Vader. She talked about her Darth Vader. Yeah, my kid likes uh, Darth Vader too. I don't know. I mean, we we call him Dark Vader for her trying to teach her like the light and dark side. She's finally starting to get to the point where she understands good and bad guys and bad things happening. Like we'll be watching a movie and something bad will happen, and she'll be like, "No, no, no, no! That, that's a bad thing." <laughs> yeah, she's tried to put bad guys like you know. Uh, the couple of the bad guys in like Disney movies or like whatever that big volcano woman thing is in Moana. Oh yeah. Matali. No. Time out. <laughs> yeah. Tries putting him in time out. He stole the heart of Matanui, Maui. To put it back. 
Uh, also this week, we have some news about the uh, streaming services coming up. So a research group called Ampere Analysis recently released a survey that found more than a fifth of respondents were likely to subscribe to Disney Plus after the service launches stateside. Um, for some reason, I don't have my whole notes here. But Ampere said that uh, these numbers would convey like 36% of um, like the American population is going to at launch is planning on getting Disney plus. That's what their uh, projections are. I think that seems a little high. I mean, considering, I mean, considering adults and families, you're you're looking at what, like like maybe 25 million. Right. That's still, and uh, it's going to be like six 99 a month. That's That's pretty good. No, it's not. I mean, Netflix is still going to be King, but the problem is everybody's just getting, as more of these streaming services pop up, it's just going to be everybody has their own content and we're not going to be like what we were before. We're going to be back at cable where you have different essential channels right. have their own original content. So it's not like you have That's this aggregated Netflix. Like the golden age of Netflix is over. We're like, yeah, you yeah. All good movies coming. Where together. Now, now well, we're going back so to, are we going to have, have, have like third party companies coming in and saying, Oh, well, uh, pay us and you can bundle all of these so essentially it's going to be like a cable no. company no nope. I, mean, I, I don't i don't think so i, 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 mean, I, don't, I don't think they're going to sign off to that the benefit the benefit though even though there's several services um one's at seven one's at like 13 so that's 20 hulu's at like eight that's 28 and then if you have amazon prime break that down throughout the year that's like 15 that's like 35 bucks a month for all the content you would ever want, which is cheaper than a common cable prescri- or prescription. <laughs> yes, because I uh, the doctor said I should watch more television. <laughs> but uh, that's what's best. It's still a little Take cheaper. This, uh, six hours a day, and uh, call me in the. But uh, I I don't know, and I, I see in the notes here too that uh, that it, it, I know that Disney's owned a significant portion of Hulu for a long time. Um, they they used to own one third of Hulu, yeah, okay. Yeah, and Comcast owns the another third of Hulu, but they're uh, they're a silent partner. They don't really make a lot of decisions. And the other third was Fox. Oh, so now man. Disney owns two thirds of Hulu, and those are the two controlling thirds of Hulu. So that's what. Uh, do you guys think that we're gonna see? All right, so Disney Plus is being pitched and it's being put out there as more of like a family-oriented thing. Do you think we'll see some more adult content coming from Disney, maybe on Hulu? Do you think maybe. that there'll be a, a bundle, like get Hulu, get Disney Plus? Or... Maybe. I mean, yeah. ideally, ideally, they should just use Hulu as their platform to release everything since they own two-thirds of it. But they want to get more money, which makes sense. Yeah. So they create this other platform which has their entire catalog of movies. They don't have to deal with the Disney vault or anything like that anymore, even though I'm sure sure. people would still buy the movies when they come out of the vault. But uh, yeah, they, they own so such a huge library that most of the big blockbusters, I can think of five or six that are just coming out this year alone that would be on Disney plus instead of going to Netflix like previously. Well, and I mean, they own now that they own they own The Simpsons, they own like King of the Hill, like all these, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, I think so that's was... still Hulu stuff, though. Because I think I think that that. Uh... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But Disney owns that stuff now. Yeah, no, but I think uh, if if it's on Hulu, and most people who have Hulu have the ads version, like I do, right? Um, they're gonna keep that type of content on Hulu, whereas I think. You know, think epics like The Mandalorian or all the movies that they're doing are probably going to be a Disney Plus type subscription. You guys think we'll ever see an R-rated Star Wars something like an? Yeah, you know, like look at the Netflix original stuff. So essentially, you have the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's like your PG thirteen, but then the Marvel on Netflix is more almost R-rated. Here's what I want to see: I want to see like a uh, an Obi Wan like Logan movie yeah logan i was gonna say that like logan that was rated r logan well, was dope i i i doubt it i think the my answer to that is i highly doubt that we're gonna see a rated r star wars movie anytime soon would i love to see it yes but i just don't feel What's like it's it? gonna be in in line logan. with what disney's trying to do say again josh who was it that made logan it was fox no the director because i remember i can't remember his name right now but there was a lot of rumors going on around a year ago that the guy who made Logan was making a Boba Fett movie. That would be amazing. I, I don't I don't know if that would happen based off of what's you know what Disney's doing. Now they're taking a break. The next movie's not coming out until like twenty twenty two. Well, this director, was over a year ago. This, 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 these rumors the, were over a year ago. The director was James Mangold. Yeah, that's it. That it was it was heavily rumored that James Mangold was making. Uh, Boba Fett movie in the style like, of like a Logan. Like, would it be awesome? Yes. Would I love to see it? Yes. Do I think it would do good? Yeah, I think it would do good. I just don't think it's in line with like what Disney's trying to do with Star Wars and just in general. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they would make something like that. But yeah, I, I, I agree I because it. it's, it's always been it's like always that. been kids movies. You know, it's never been yeah. Yeah. like George Lucas said. It's like it's supposed to be for kids. But we've seen. I mean, even we talked about like. Uh, our listener, uh, the J-Man, uh, Mr. Jordan DeHart, said, being a Lab Star Wars fan, and he thought that you know, it had lost sight of its scope. And in our conversation, we said we think that the, uh, the overall age range, like target range, has gotten progressively older and older. Like yeah. George Lucas says, the original Star Wars is made for like eleven-year-olds. I would say that you know, and maybe that's that's true for uh, the prequel trilogy too. But even if you look at Clone Wars, Clone Wars to be adult and kid at the same, like more adult. It had much more like adult situation. You could, you could almost say young adult, like the Twilight or Harry Potter. <laughs> and so now Disney wants to. Do you think Disney wants to just stay there? And I think that the Mandalorian, I think like, we're going to see a swing much more mature. Yeah, so, I mean, PG PG thirteen, yeah, I can see, but R, I don't know if I see R. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, even with PG thirteen, you can snake through a couple. You can sneak through like one f bomb. You can say like shit twice if you don't say couple, the f word. Something like bad that. words peppered in there. But uh, yeah, no, I mean the Mandalorian, like things, and like a, a lot of Star Wars is about. Oh, ki- killing, you know. Yeah. Dude, let's see. Let's see a Mandalorian like uh, gladiator or something. Oh, that'd be cool. Rises from the bottom. Now he's here. Yeah. <laughs> we know that the next live action series that's confirmed is the Cassian Andor show. And here's here's what I theorize. I think that the Mandalorian is going to test the boundaries of going a little darker in this first season, and then we're going to see how people react to it. 
And I mean, even if you just look at Rogue One as a movie, that movie's a whole lot darker. We see Cassian Andor at the very beginning just like shoot his uh, informant friend. Yeah. Yeah. friend back. I mean, we could see a whole lot of a darker swing from the Cassian Andor. I, yeah. I, I hope I hope you're right, man. I would love to see that. And and then yeah. it just they, they they see there is a market for that. That'd be great. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff in Rogue One, like uh, when they when they go to the planet where Galen Erso is on meeting Director Krennic, and uh, 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 Chirrut says, "Does he have the face of a friend?" And uh, like, does he does he have a face of like does he you know, something like that? And he was like, no, he was like, oh, does he have does he has a face of a friend? Uh, as opposed to a face of someone who would kill because he could sense the force around him being darker because of someone who was about to kill somebody. And uh, it just, just, yeah, it was it was an overall darker theme that I liked. I liked it a lot. And then plus you see Darth Vader going crazy in the hallway trying to get to the ship that Leia escapes on. You yep. know what I mean? That was cool. Man, that I could watch dark. a television show about that about Darth Vader just going to ape on people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this week, who does Darth Vader kill? Everybody, well, I, a lot, a lot of people, <laughs> yeah. a lot of people. Um, so, speaking of the streaming service and the Mandalorian and such, uh, I have a clip here from Bryce Dallas Howard, old uh, Ron Howard's daughter, who is. The director of one episode of The Mandalorian. Okay. So I'll I'll play this clip here for you guys. Um, It's her talking about her experience directing Mandalorian. It was so awesome. It was so. You made you made shorts, but like this is like a Star Wars show, and you know. You know what the the God's honest truth is that I had uh, I had incredible support from Dave Filoni and John Favreau. And um, and the the process, you, it, you know, the prep process and the shooting and post and all of that, it was so incredibly collaborative and fun and grounded. And um, and so I just it was just it was I, I want to do just one follow-up. Can, yeah. What can you tease about your episode, if anything? Yes. And can you talk a little bit about the insane technology they use? Yes. Okay. So um, I, I literally don't even think I can tease anything about the, the episode. I don't even think I can say which episode I did. I mean, it's – it's uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally on lockdown. But um, what I can say about the technology um, – uh, it's it's really John Favreau, of course, uh, is is known for pushing uh, emerging technology forward, and uh, what he did with with Jungle Book, what he's doing now with Lion King. I mean, this is really uh, extraordinary. Sort of what what is possible because of because of these projects and because of the way I mean there were so many times when um when I would be like oh it's okay John we can just we can just do it that way he's like I just want to see if it's possible like we just need to see if it's possible and I'm like okay and then it's tested and way more times you know you find out oh wow it is possible and it's better you know and and so um so yeah so that was really exciting there's specifically something that we shot in um, called that we call the volume, sure. and um, and basically you you step into it and uh, you are 
you, you, the naked eye, you can't tell that you are surrounded by basically LED screens and you feel like wherever, you know, the story is taking place. It's almost like a this is the this is the wrong term to use, especially for this for this project, but it's almost like a holodeck. All right. So at the end there, she said, uh, basically, you step into something they call the volume and the naked eye to the naked eye. She said, you can't decipher that you're not standing in that environment. And we heard uh, making Star Wars reported on this a little over a year ago that they had some like cutting edge technology and they were addressing the complaint that uh, actors like Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen, Natalie Corman had when shooting the prequels saying right. they were surrounded with green screen. It's hard to, it's hard to act with that. It's hard to really get into character. It's distracting, especially when you're, you're doing days and days and days of this. Right. Um, so they came up with this thing that they're calling the volume. And like she said, it's uh, what'd she say? A, ho- a hollow. It's a Star Trek term, but essentially uh, where it just, you step into this and the actors see the surroundings and they shoot. So it's like a live green screen. You're thinking a hologram? No, it's not a hologram. Uh, she said it right at the end there. It's, it's whatever the, whatever like the, it's not, a, it, that's essentially what it is, like a hologram, but it's virtual reality without the headset, essentially. Yeah, no, I mean, they did the same thing with Avatar back in the day. They could shoot it, it live in real time and see basically the end result in the monitors you know what i mean right um this isn't in the monitors this is the actors. for the actors is that what you're saying for the actors they're surrounded by uh screens but she said you can't tell that they're screens when you step into this place yeah no it doesn't surprise me technology is insane now and I'm, i'm super happy for her I mean, obviously, being uh, Ron Howard's daughter, she probably has a really good idea of story and kind of grew up um, in a in a place where she could take advantage of everything that was offered to her. But I will say that when it comes to things like TV shows, uh, it's not that the the director of an episode really doesn't matter. It's all about the showrunners and the exec producers. Oh, yeah. I know people who work in who's an exec producer on TV shows, and all the like they literally usurp the director. Like make sure make sure you get this. No, we don't. We're not doing that. Do this. Um, directors are more so of like a a stepping stone, figureheady type thing on a on a TV set. You know what I mean? Well, they're guests to come in. I think to more like work with the, try and um, to goad certain performances out of actors. It's very much just for the actors and whatever the scenario is for that episode. But the overall vision is for the you know the showrunner which in this case is john favreau and who is also a director who could go out any performance that he wanted to out of an actor just with the contacts and 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 know, right. like look at the movie chef that he made he had john luguziamo he had robert johnny jr his friend in that too you know what i mean he can get whoever he wants to be in whatever he's making as long as it's good and he does good work uh i just think that this is more of an opportunity for bryce to step into the directing role to where I think what I think is going to happen is she's going to announce that she's directing her own feature, whether it's a low budget or indie yeah. type thing. I think that's what's going to be happening. I think that, well, I that think was this just is a good episode. testing area for future directors in Star Wars too. Like come on in, you know, kind of work with, see how you work with the story group, see how you work with the larger Disney Lucasfilm uh, machine 
and maybe in the future you get your own Star Wars television show yeah, it's, or it's get good, your own movie. That's a good point. I mean, I'm sure out of this, you know, out of the show, we'll see directors who go on to do other things within Star Wars. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, this could be a, they're planting seeds with their fingers right now. With, with their fingers. With their fingers. Yeah, so uh, Mandalorian, pretty excited for it. Looks sweet, man. That Mandalorian. What do you guys think of the full like chrome Mando? Um, like that nickel Mando armor and stuff that he's got going on there. A little bit of a different look to his helmet. I think it's dope. Like uh, I'm, awesome. I'm for, I'm all for Mandalorian type things and armor. I, I think it's a cool world to explore, especially if Kotor is kind of maybe going to end up being canon. With the Mandalorian Wars and stuff like that, they're basically just war people. You know what I mean? Right. So that Casey, could that could yeah. lend us to an R-rated. Casey, would you prefer to have Mandalorian armor or composite armor? <laughs> Mandalorian for sure, but if we're talking Star Wars Galaxies, <laughs> well, even still Mandalorian, but it was very hard to get. You had to go down a Death Watch bunker and yeah, fight yeah. your way down. Like we we tried making a piece not too long ago. Yeah. With like a fully geared group, and we failed. Failed. Hey, well, Just don't like crap on composite group. armor, though, man. Composite armor was some solid stuff. That was, yeah, that was my first good set of composite armor. Yeah, I want to know get, composite armor. Yeah, you get ninety percent composite armor. You're good to go. Oh, go so you're, you're, you're good for show. Nice sisters. You're, you're getting those nice sisters. Uh, you remember Habibi? Habibi is the, fir- the first guy who gave us their composite armor. How could I forget? Composite armor. He took us to Zion. Did he give us our house too? With Deathwalker, gave us our first houses, and then we later do pull a coup. I don't remember Habibi. I remember a guy named Quest. Habibi was before I think you were really playing with us. Habibi was like within the first week Sean and I were playing. Oh, you know when our minds our minds were absolutely blown with how like huge galaxies was. Yeah, it's still. We were just running around. We were just running around like killing lizards and toads, and then like this guy comes up and he's like, "Hey, you guys want a house in this city?" We're like, "What?" In a video game, we can have a house, and it's like The Sims. And like, no, no, it's like totally different. Star Wars, you can fight people. Yeah, no, it's super cool. I, I remember uh, when I first started playing, there was a guy. His name was Quest Pelic. He was like a person in your town, and uh, I just started. I was. I remember like fighting Rontos and running away from them trying to yep. gain experience and he uh he was like if you go to if you go to this town um and like bring me back this it's a vendor thing like he gave me the waypoint uh like i'll pay you ten thousand credits for it and i was like oh my god but I, but I didn't have a speeder and this town was like so far away so i i literally walked for like an hour to this town and like just, an hour like, back he like, a lot can keep your guy on like autopilot the whole way. Just no, check I just, in, I just check I just, in every five minutes. I just ran, dude, because it was so fun. You're like the, the forest, you're like the Forrest Gump of tattooing. I just ran. Yeah, I just couldn't stop running. But uh, yeah, no, he eventually sends me a tell, and he's like, "What's taking so long?" And I was like, "I don't. I'm running there." He's like, "You don't have a speeder?" No. Saving time by asking you to do this. <laughs> Why don't you take a shuttle, for God's sakes? Two, I don't have any money. It's like two two hours later. Uh, that's, that's, two that's what I'm looking for: the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, because it's going to be 
And from a lot of the reviews I've heard, it's you can get as much out of it. Like if you want to immerse yourself in the world, like people are going in there and you can hardcore like role play if you want to, or you can just be chill if you want to. But it's going to be the closest thing we have to like stepping into, you know, Star Wars Galaxies, Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, the one thing I don't like is, and I, I kind of get it to a degree, is that adults can't wear their Jedi robes. Like, yeah. adults can never dress up because they, don't want, because they don't want kids to think that they're part of the park. Uh, like the, yeah, the it's, uh, I get that. Yeah, I get that. I, it, it's, it's a Disney thing anyway. That's, that's, that's a Disney rule at any of the parks. Like, you can't go dressed as, like, Aladdin or Prince Charming or something to any of the Disney parks it's, if you're, like, the age I get of that. Yeah, it's it's just a little more different for Star Wars because so many people like you know role play. You don't see a ton of people trying to go as Mickey Mouse into the general Disney park, right? It's like a lot of people love dressing up with Jedi robes. Yeah, there's there's only like one or two nights a year where you can actually dress up. It's like some time during the Halloween nights. Interesting. Well, I know uh, one of our fellow podcasters uh, from Making Star Wars, Jason Ward. He uh, got early access, and he actually has the uh, the Poe Finn Rebellion or Resistance jacket. You know that Poe gives Finn, and he wears in seven and eight. And he was gonna wear it, but then he heard about this rule, so he's like, "Eh, I, w- I won't wear it because I don't want him to tell me to like take it off or throw this away, or you can't come in or something." And he said he got there, and there were several people there dressed up like that. So. There might be some grit, like where they choose to enforce it and where they choose not to enforce it. Like my thought is, I just I might wear some like boots, some like striped Han Solo pants, and like a plain shirt that's kind of Han Solo ish. Yeah, like where are they going to draw the line? Like if somebody's wearing like a, well, I, like a Han not... Solo like jacket, what are they going to? Well, I, I I know you can't wear <laughs> the Jedi jacket. robes, right? Right. But what if right. someone's just wearing a pretty normal like Han outfit? I, yeah, that's I think it's like a gray area. If you're not like going around causing trouble, you're probably not going to get in trouble for it. <laughs> Just like, but, cut, like cut the line in the Falcon. Like, get the hell out of my way. This is my shit. <laughs> funny thing <laughs> is they sell like legit, like movie accurate um, outfits there, like Palpatine outfit, like Palpatine robes, Jedi robes, Ray robes um, there at the park where you can buy these from an outfitter. But you can't wear them. <laughs> Wait till you get home. Box it up. Take it home. What, just walk around my house like this? Do you think, what, what kind, of, kind of guy do you think I am? Do you think I just dress up like a Jedi? Speaking of costumes. I yes, I do. On, this isn't on our, on our thing for tonight. But uh, did you hear about the lawsuit with the Novos? I know. No. Yeah, I, so there was a thing. I'll have to pull up a link. stuff. Yeah, people, yeah, people, they're not getting it. And uh, if you had placed your order before some month in, like, 2016 and still haven't gotten it, you're part of this lawsuit because they're licensing stuff, but apparently they don't have the, the capability. The gas? <laughs> yeah, we don't have the gas, Josh. Hold on, let me pull oh, it up real quick. Uh... They, they, they don't have the money? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Well, the resources. the actual facilities to... Yeah, so they're being sued in multi-million dollar class action lawsuit. Wow. Um, and it's not just for Star Wars. It's for other things because they, they do costumes for other shows like Star Trek or Battlestar Galactica. But uh, 
Louisiana man named Richard said he paid Novos more than $40,000 for merchandise but never oh received it. Oh, my God. According to a complaint in the California court, the items ordered included a Star Trek Spock uh, replica blue tunic, a Star Wars The Force Awakens Kylo Ren costume with helmet, and a $9,000 buildable, buildable replica of a starship. More than three years after his first purchase, having never received his products, he received an explanation on the company's website. It said when products experienced production delays, some customers would cancel orders, and fewer pre-orders led to an increase in price of the raw materials and per-unit cost, as well as cancellation of items that failed to meet the factory's minimums. Despite Novos's inability to fulfill the hundreds, if not thousands, of prepaid orders customers have already submitted, Novos continues to market and sell pre-order items on its website and on social media in the same manner, recording full upfront costs of the items in addition to shipping. Blah, blah, blah. All sales are final. Policy is another thing that they have. So Disney, NBC, Universal, and CBS are defendants in Dalton's case, uh, which estimates total damages will exceed $5 million. And uh, they say that the studios yeah. permitted Novos to defraud customers by renewing their licensing agreements with the companies. And, uh, yeah, so all customers who paid for a product from Novos, licensed by Disney, NBCU, and or CBS, who have not received the product nor a refund from January 1st, 2016 through the present. Yeah, so you probably just shouldn't commit to something and, uh, if you can't make and deliver what you took money on. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. And I heard about this, too. There were people who had ordered costumes for this for the previous Star Wars celebration in Chicago, like six to eight months, almost yeah. a year before, and they didn't or barely got their costumes in time for Star Wars celebrations. It shouldn't take a year to do that. Yeah, I know the Kylo Ren, because, you know, I, I cost, I've cosplayed as Kylo Ren. Um with uh, Hannah, my wife helped me make the outfit and made the helmet. And I was like, man, I'll, I'll see how much the uh, legit Novos Kylo Ren. It was like $6,000. Uh, nope. Yeah, no, you can make it for you can, you can make it for less than a grand. You just have to put the time in, you know? It's a lot of time, but it's not, you know, $6,000 worth of time. But, uh, so yeah, probably a lot of uh, frustrated people that... Well, I mean, now you can just go to Stinking Galaxy's Edge and get cost. Like, I'm pretty sure you can get a Kylo Ren like that for a couple hundred dollars. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's not going to be the same like quality. That. But yeah. I mean, the, their Jedi robes and Jedi tunics are pretty, pretty good looking from what I saw. Yeah, I wonder I'll if know, they have. I'll know in a week. I wonder if they have. Um, I know they. I wonder if they have like helmets and armor and stuff. Keep a lookout for me. Keep a lookout for me. Yeah, I will. I'll take it. I'll let you guys. I'll, next next podcast, we'll uh, we'll do a deep dive on it, and yep. I'll, I'll I'll take I'll take a bunch of video and pictures and stuff. And so look out for uh, Vimerati. So I, I guess there's a Kylo Ren that walks around. You can that interacts with people. There's a Ray that sneaks around, interacts with people. There's a Chewbacca um, that are in, interacts with you guys. Like you can even like help them hide or help them run around, help them fix a ship. Um, Vibe Marathi, the spy who was originally introduced in the uh, Phasma novel, and there's an upcoming novel just about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Uh, well, Batu, and she's the main character in it. So, and there's a there's a woman there that plays her. So you can go talk to her, and I guess uh, if you look at the show notes here, guys. Casey, this will be a great help for you. This is Batu Lingo. 
Yeah, I was looking at that. Most of this stuff makes sense. Yeah, so like some of the bigger things I've heard from some of the other podcasters, like uh, Steel Saunders from Steel Wars, uh, Jason Ward from uh, Making Star Wars. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to f- resistance greeting. So if you see L- resistance light the fire, person, I like that. Yeah, yeah. If you see a resistance person, or if they come up to you and they say, uh, you know, ignite the spark or the ignited spark, you are to respond, light the fire. Or if somebody says, light the fire to you, you say, you know, I've ignited the spark. But this will get you points. So you get some sort of a, a chip or some sort of a card or something. And once you get, you collect, I think there's like 12 cards, you get a secret mission that you can do in the park. So keep hmm. that in case. So just look over these. Uh, so the more you interact and you're like in character speaking this quote unquote batuis. Um, and you uh, you talk with these resistance people, you're going to be able to get some extra like stuff out of the part. Some of these things, some of these are pretty yeah. generic. Like a picture is called a scan, a phone's called a data pad. But one of my favorites is uh, the daytime greeting: suns up or bright suns. I, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's super Sun, cool. suns up, man. I just hey. wonder. Bright suns is formal. So like, what, are you going to a wedding in Batu, or what, what, when are you, when are you supposed to use the, the formal greeting? Like if you run into Kylo Ren, bright suns. Sir. Is, is, is there like a, a feminine and masculine version to say these things? Uh, <laughs> it's not Spanish. <laughs> Or French, so I, I don't think so. I, so, like, I think, yeah, like, I think if you come across, like, like a league of stormtroopers or whatever, you would say, Bright Suns. And same thing if you're meeting, like, a, a Ray or a Chewbacca in person. But I, I, I mean, like, and I think you'd only say Bright Suns to the storm, to the, uh, uh, Resistance. First, first Order squad, because, uh, just, like, if you're role playing out of fear, you know? You would just say that as out of respect to them. If you run into the I like to say poodoo, you slimo. Poodoo. Bantha poodoo. Or you say these uh, credits will do fine. I like how a stroller is called a youngling transport. (laughs) (laughs) And there was actually a thing. It was the big thing on Facebook. Uh, It ended up being false that uh, Disney was going to ban the word younglings. Yeah. Why? What? That's in their like official batuis. Well, they were gonna they were gonna deny it, and well, initial like the initial thing that came out was because the only time that younglings the word younglings is used is when all the younglings are killed. I saw a hologram of Anakin killing younglings. <laughs> Not even the younglings survived. You know what I mean? So like they're like people were just like backpacking off that and it ended up coming out that that, that no, that Disney's not gonna ban the word young Bullshit. It's kinda <laughs> like uh, I like when like, it looks it looks like Obi Wan's about to start laughing when he says that he saw a security hologram. <laughs> young <Younglings. laughs> security hologram. It, it just it always thought I always thought it looks like he's about to crack up when he says that. It's either that or crap but sometimes like between like obnoxious laughter and the sob like holding yeah. back a sob, it can be very close. Yeah. I, I like the uh the one for I don't know. 
Only the ancients know. Just say that, Casey. Whenever you don't know something, that only say, I'm gonna have to study. I'm gonna study this over the next week or so. I go. Only the ancients. Only the ancients know. know. Casey, your I'll mission. Your mission should, is to confront Kylo to Ren himself, or yeah, should you choose to accept it, is to confront either Kylo Ren himself or this his stormtroopers or an officer, and just call him like a a slimo or a poodoo face or something. Something like that, just, and see what see what happens to you. Maybe, I want to see uh, what the real questions uh, are. Can I ask for a photo and be like, "Thanks, Slimo." Just be Japori no pod Slimo or whatever <laughs> it does, and, and then just run away, just sprint, <laughs> sprint away from him immediately. Be like, thanks, you Bantha Poodoo. <laughs> I wonder what they would do. Would they arrest me? That'd be cool, right? To be like paraded around. Some stormtroopers come up and they just like put you in like stockades and take you around. You gotta be as disrespectful to Kylo Ren, Kylo Ren, the supreme leader as you can be and just see like how far they go with you. Spare some credits, sir. Spare some credits, you slimo. Yes. Alright, hey lads, I gotta jump off. Oh, we got one more thing. It's, I think it's the last thing. The listener right. feedback. If you can do that, then, then I'm good to go too. Let's do it. Sean, I will I will allow you to uh, to read the read Brian's question in your best uh, count Dookie, Dookie voice. <laughs> count, yeah, count, yeah, we just count, like a bed. like poop. Yeah. Lord of Kalamazoo Poo Crew. Hi guys, here's something. No, <laughs> not the voice I've been recording. <laughs> hey guys, here here's something I'd like to hear an opinion on. It's the one thing about the Last Jedi that irks me more than any other questionable moments in the movie. Yes, even more than space fuel and Leia force witching. Vice Admiral Hodo and her hyperspace ship weapon. I get that the... Did I skip? Oh, there it is. I get that the Star Wars universe has to come with a certain amount of ignorance, as it's basically a space magic opera. But that is what makes Star Wars Star Wars. That being said, if hyperspace can be weaponized in the form of the ships, why is it that we are just hearing about this being utilized? Why not have drone ships built out of only hyperspace suicide that have hyperspace suicide abilities? Why not send a calamari cruiser against the Death Star? For that matter, why not send a star destroyer to hyperspace through a planet? I feel that it's a that it's a mechanic that should never have been introduced this late in the game. I feel that since this is a thing, the rebels and the empire have just been needlessly sending their troops to die in far too many skirmishes when a single hyperdrive ship could have ended it before it started. Thoughts? Oh, and for the record, still haven't seen Solo, mostly because I'm with Casey. I know his endgame, and I'm really not too interested in his younger years. I want more new characters or movies about characters we don't know much about. Star Wars is huge. Let's focus on new stories and characters within that universe. Well, thanks, Brian. That was a, it's a good, couple good, it? good points. Yeah. I think it's a very good point. Yeah, why are we just using it now? Why is this hyperspace weaponized weaponization of hyperspace just being a thing? Um, I think because it wouldn't be a very good story if that was what they used all the time. No, I, I mean I think that I'm sure if if it becomes a big concern for fans like us that they'll introduce some sort of plot device to why it hasn't been used before. So I think they would plug that hole if it becomes. There's a reason why they have it, right? Maybe we just don't know why, but I'm sure there's a reason. Like, you probably have to be so close to be accurate. Like, I mean, it makes sense. If you're like, you know, 
if you're 10 million miles away and you're trying to like pinpoint it in exact location, maybe that's super difficult. Maybe you have to be within like a couple miles to be this accurate. I don't know. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to head out here. They gave my two cents. So I got to jump off. I have a couple of excerpts from the last Jedi um, novelization that I'm going to cite in my explanations. Would you like to hear those before you speak or would you like to speak first? I think that I would like to speak first because you are going to destroy anything that might be presented. (laughs) All right, go ahead. So I think, uh, I think that this is, so to preface this, um, I would like to say that solo Brian was a very good movie. Um, I'm talking about future movies. Uh, I highly recommend watching Solo. It's super fun, and it does have that, that old school Star Wars feel. And uh, I, I watch it every once in a while. Still, it's it's a very very fun movie. I was talking about future stuff, but um, in terms of this hyperspace attack debacle, uh, the only thing that would blow a hole in my theory is. <laughs> I guess the Death Star, Star Killer Base, um, but uh, I think maybe this is something that has been used before. It's just the first time that we've seen it, and who's who's to say that it hasn't happened in the past? I guess besides the books, they just might not have mentioned it. But it could be considered something of a war crime. Like if you if you look at uh, World War One, World War Two, or even warfare today, if a pilot ejects from a ship and they're parachuting down, uh, you it's a war crime to shoot their shoot them down. You know what I mean? So in that aspect, these people were just fleeing. They're basically parachuting out of this transport ship in an unarmed, unarmored vehicle that was just being bombarded by the First Order. Um, and like I said, the hole here is, okay, what about the Death Star? Blah, blah, blah. I think it's I think it's a thing... I think it's like a war crime type thing, and I think that the, this is the first time that the Rebellion, the Resistance, has stooped to a level to where they would use something like this against the bad guys because after the second Death Star was blown up... The Republic controlled everything again, and Star Killer Base destroyed the Republic planets, right? So I think that now the rebellion and the resistance is kind of doing a no holds barred type situation to where they're willing to use things that haven't been used in the past. And, and if you think about it, yeah, I mean, maybe it could be done by drone ships or whatever, or remotely, but if it's piloted by a person, like most people don't want to die, you know what I mean. If you're gonna hyperspace into a fleet of ships or into an enemy or into a planet, you're you're gonna die fast, obviously, but you're you're still gonna die. And most people just don't want to have that happen to them. Well, so talking I to think- Brian, he, he brought up the the fact like, okay, we have droids, we have droid ships in Episode Three. We have a droid army. Why wouldn't you just use droid controlled ships to? hyperspace into these things well again i think it was more of a war crime type situation and in the past the empire didn't need to because they had death star one death star two star killer base and i think i mean maybe 
this will become canon in the future, but I think when it comes to the Senate, using things like this, um, you lose you lose favor, and then you lose control of the Senate. You lose control of all these systems that you're trying to maintain power over. Whereas if you have a Death Star, you can just go and blow up the planet that disagrees with you. You know what I mean? Because if you hyperspace into a planet with a ship, what's it going to do? It's, it's like a meteor strike. It's not going to be... Devastating, I mean, catastrophic, but that's very expensive. It's very expensive, and like you would have to do it with something Death Star sized. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not like a, a Republic cruiser hyperspacing into a planet may or may not do much damage. Right. And and it may not do enough damage at distance too, because I think technically hyperspace is kind of it's another dimension. Yeah, like you're you're like like you're like in Interstellar, you're folding like a wormhole. You're folding two pieces of paper together to get to the other side more quickly. But if you're close enough, maybe the residual energy is enough to do enough damage. But uh, I don't think it would hurt a planet. Listen to this clip from the Last Jedi audiobook. Under ordinary operations. The presence of a sizable object along the route between the Radis's real space position and its entry point into hyperspace would have caused the heavy cruiser's failsafes to cut in and shut down the hyperdrive. But with the failsafes offline and the overrides activated, the proximity alerts were ignored. When the heavy cruiser plowed into the Supremacy's broad-flying wing, the force of the impact was at least three orders of magnitude greater than anything the Radis's inertial dampeners were rated to handle. The protective field they generated failed immediately, but the heavy cruiser's augmented experimental shields remained intact for a moment longer before the unimaginable force of the impact converted the Radis into a column of plasma that consumed itself. However, the Radis had also accelerated to nearly the speed of light at the point of that catastrophic impact. And the column of plasma it became was hotter than a sun and intensely magnetized. This plasma was then hurled into hyperspace along a tunnel opened by the null quantum field generator. A tunnel that collapsed as quickly as it had been opened. Both the column of plasma and the hyperspace tunnel were gone in far less than an eye blink. But that was long enough to rip through the supremacy's hull from bow to stern, tear a ragged hole in a string of star destroyers flying in formation with it, and finally wink out of existence in empty space thousands of kilometers beyond the First Order Task Force. All right, so the Radis is the Mon Cal cruiser that the Resistance was using that Holdo yeah. used for the remover, uh, maneuver. A um, couple things to note here in the novelization. Also, <clears throat> I had a conversation with Darth, Darth Dookie, Count Dookie Brian Stieber, the, uh, the other day about this subject. And all right, so we made the point earlier that Star Wars is first and foremost for who? kids kids okay so earlier in the conversation brian brought up to me that when he was a kid he had like 
every Star Wars expanded universe, like Guide to the Galaxy, Guide to Technology, Guide to the... And starships were his jam. So he knew all about all the different types of starships, all about all the different types of Star Destroyers, um, all about the Death Star, all about the TIE Fighters, the X-Wing, the Z-95 Headhunters, okay? The A-Wings, the B-Wings. He knew all the specs about them, okay? So if you listen to this part of the book... You know, nine-year-old Brian would have already known this, that point one, uh, so if you take the, the Last Jedi audiobook or the, the novelization and the Last Jedi visual dictionary, take both those things and you look at the Radis. The Radis was the largest ship that the Rebellion slash Resistance ever had. Like, it was very close to the size of Darth Vader's executor, which we see in Return of the Jedi falls into the, you know, falls into the Death Star. I mean, it rocks the ship a little bit, but to no real effect, right? Um, and point two, the Radis was equipped with an experimental augmented shield generator. So if you look at the visual dictionary, it talks about how this this is some brand new experimental tech. Um, and it says how, you know, the regular shields and everything for the Radis blinked out of existence, like right before it ran, like it was just overpowered before it ran into the uh, the supremacy Snoke's huge ship. And I will cite Rogue One. We see they receive the plans for the Death Star. You've got the fleet of the Rebellion there, right? As soon as they get the 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 uh, the plans, they get the get the hell out of Dodge signal from Admiral Radis. Funny enough, the guy, the Moncal, who this ship is named after, Admiral Radis is the uh, the Moncal there on the deck of that ship over Scarif, and uh, so they all start trying to they start jumping to hyperspace. Well, then what happens? They're jumping to hyperspace, and Darth Vader's Star Destroyer shows up. And what happens as soon as Darth Vader's Star Destroyer jumps into regular space there, and they're trying to jump into... They're jumping into hyperspace, into Darth Vader's ship, and they're just smashing against its hull. They're smashing against its shields, because it's a superior shield. It's a superior ship. Okay. So you have to take into account, like I brought up with Brian uh, in our private conversation, it's kind of like the Bronze Age versus the st- you know, versus steel. If you take a steel sword against a bronze shield, it's going to slice right through it. So the Radis had experimental shields that it cites in the book. Regular shields are just going to, it's going to be too much. The difference cited in the visual dictionary and in the in the book are... The Radis had those experimental shields that just for a second, go back and listen to the clip, just for a moment, lasted. And a moment is all you need when you're traveling at the speed of light and it's just like combine, you know, multiplying your energy at this point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, okay, it also, I mean, sure, yeah, the ships probably would have disintegrated upon impact uh depending on the shields of the other ship and stuff like that but i i mean i think uh i mean i think this is probably something that has been tried before um this is i i, I don't think it would have been in legends there was a uh at least on accident you know what i mean in legends yeah in legends there was 
um, stuff where they talked about, and even Han Solo talks about it in A New Hope. Uh, you know, you might fly right through a star. You could crash into a planet. So th- these things have happened. Normally, like the book says, there's fail-safes that keep you from doing this. But when it does happen, it's not like it's catastrophic. And even if you look at, so the Radis is the, you know, the third biggest ship that we've ever seen in this, aside from Death Stars, which we won't even deal with this point because who's going to fly a Death Star into anything when you can just shoot it with the Death Star? So the point is you have the Supremacy, which is the ship that got flown into. You have the Executor, the Super Star Destroyers, like Darth Vader's ship in Return of the Jedi, and you have the Radis. Even the Radis flying into something like the Supremacy did not do catastrophic damage. It just, it cut a hole through, you know, it sliced you know, part of its wing off. It didn't totally destroy the entire ship. So people have made this argument at this point, like, oh, this ruined Star Wars, this ruined Star Wars lore, because why didn't the Rebellion just fly a ship into the Death Star? Well, I'll tell you why. They couldn't. couldn't. They didn't have anything as big as the Radis. Take the shields out of this, which the shields, according to canon, according to the Visual Dictionary... The thing is, the only reason reason that, that, that Holdo would have even thought to have tried it is because she knew she had these experimental shields, which means that in the past, something like this would have had to have been attempted, whether it's a kamikaze type thing, and it never worked. But now we have this, right? And essentially, in the book, it says all she had, to, all she was trying to do is just draw their attention for just a moment, just to let even a few more ships get away. I do like your theory about the war crimes thing, because even in, I mean, the UN sets up that there's there are there are certain rounds that you can use, and certain rounds you cannot use when you know during warfare so like you said maybe the rebellion slash resistance never stooped to this level so that's one way of looking at it the other way of looking at it, like i'm saying is it just does not make sense to in order to make any kind of impact you have to have the third largest ship you know that we've seen flying into something with some crazy experimental shields otherwise you're just going to you know break apart in front of something with superior shields, like all the starships did in Rogue One against Darth Vader's, you know, Star Destroyer. In A New Hope, people said, "Well, why don't they just why don't they just do this? Why don't they fly a Mon Cal cruiser into the Death Star?" Well, what do they say in A New Hope? Only a precise hit from a, tor- a proton torpedo will cause a chain reaction that will destroy the Death Star. Yeah. Otherwise, you yeah. just fly a hole through the Death Star, just bloop, bloop, in and out the other side. And then what? You've wasted millions and millions of credits on a ship. And like in episode one, where uh, they're talking about, you know, they say, well, just get a one man starfighter with a star destroyer. One man starfighter is not going to do anything, but a hyperdrive generator is expensive. That's the main cost of a ship. Just like Watto says in episode one, he's like, he's he's looking for a Nubian class, you know, a Nubian class. hyperdrive generator and he says well you might as well buy a new ship for that price so to get a good star destroyer or a good uh, hyperdrive generator that can go 0.5 past light speed like the millennium falcon can that's expensive it's just not why don't people do this in real life why don't we just go kamikaze all the time because it's expensive this kind of threads into an interesting thing too from the last jedi benicio del toro's character the ship that he stole was an arms dealer right who sold to both the good guys and the bad guys. I'm curious to explore 
that. I hope that kind of comes up in some form or another. Like, uh, how how do you not get caught? How do you not lean towards one side? How does one side not find find out and offer you more, or threaten you into making better I mean, quality things? That's probably what it is. That's pro- it's all a money game. How do you get this rich? There's only one way people get this rich. You know, war. Their business is war. So I'm sure that both sides, higher ups, they do know that they're getting their tech from the same, you know, suppliers essentially. So it's whoever pays more, whoever has, who has the, look at Game of Thrones, look at the Iron Bank. Lannister always pays the debts. Yeah, no, I get that. Uh, but the thing is, they, like, how, they does, how does, how does the first, how does the first promised. order make money? That's that's my thing. Like, how do they make money? How do they keep their people fed? Whereas, if you look at the Force Awakens, there was a republic again, a series of republic planets, which is which would assume that taxes were being kept, and that Leia was afforded some money for the resistance. And then once those planets blowed up, blew up, who knew what happened with that money? Um, there had to have been some sort of cash or something, or you a couple know. different. It's already. It, if you read the the novel Bloodlines, which takes place about I think like five or six years before the Last Jedi, Ryan Johnson actually had a hand in helping Claudia Gray write Bloodlines, some of the more broad strokes of the book, and it talks about the First Order and how there are um, there's a faction in the New Republic that are called I think they're called Centrists. So there's the centrists and the populists, and the centrists are all for centralized government. The populists are more for, like, you know, um, the, the planet should have more, say, the planet should have more rights and be able to make their own decisions and have their yeah. own militias. Um, but these centrists, uh, politicians, are secretly funneling and backing the First Order. Interesting. Also, you got to think that Palpatine, we know from other books that Palpatine had a contingency plan. He he set up this whole thing to send a select few out into the unknown regions to a pre-designated spot to grow the First Order. So Palpatine, I'm sure, had coffers out there and had money, wealth out there. And if you take, for example, Finn and some of the other children and stuff that we have from like the show... Uh, the resistance television show they were enslaving worlds they were mining worlds ripping them to their cores taking everything they wanted they just came in with force took everything they wanted and left because this yeah, is that any- makes sense look at star killer base that was a planet like they had, yeah they had no they had no reach out there it's kind of like tatooine it was on the outskirts of known space it was on the you know the outer rim so it was bad enough out there. Just think if there's no chance of the Republic coming out there because they literally can't hyperdrive out there. They, it is, it's very rare uh, knowledge and technology to be able to maneuver through unknown space. So the, the First Order is out there plundering, taking, taking over planets, taking everything they want, and just growing and growing and growing for a good 30 years. Yeah. 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 And I mean, yeah, it's crazy. It's a, it's a, it's a big universe. There's, there's a thousand answers, potential answers for everything. Um, I mean, 
<laughs> if you were if you were to like find people from the 1800s and show them a series of eight, ten, eleven movies about our world, they would be sitting down trying to figure out how we do the shit that we do too. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it makes I mean, okay, so let me ask you this question that it got me thinking about people's complaints about Star Wars. So people complain about, okay, you have the Death Star. Then you have the second Death Star. Then you have Starkiller Base. Do you find a problem with that? Uh, I think that they found a thing that works and works really well. They just weren't able to protect it well enough. And I think that they, with Starkiller Base... They succeeded in destroying the Republic, so it wasn't a failure. But I think uh, their their downfall was not being able to to protect it. And even with even in Rogue One, there was a rogue pilot that took Galen's message to the Rebellion and to Saw Gerrera. So I think this as long as as long as and I think that's what the First Order was trying to correct, right? So they had people defecting in the past. That had information, or they could get information out. So, with the First Order, the idea was brainwashing, taking them as children, kind of like Jedi, and kind of molding them into a place where they couldn't defect. But Finn, for some reason, uh, when the blood touched his helmet in The Force Awakens, you know, it it, it awoke him. Right. Hey, it saw something in him. Well, I mean, if you watch the television show The Resistance, it is mostly for kids, but there are some interesting tidbits in there. Like there, um, there's a stormtrooper who they uh, goes a little bit off the skews a little bit from the 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 straight and narrow first order path, and they say, uh, "Oh, we'll take him to get his mind wiped." Yeah, there, so I mean, Phasma just, was gonna. That's gonna, even what Phasma said they were gonna have due to Finn, right? Yeah, reconditioning. Yeah. So, I mean, they're treating these people like droids. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, you know, C-3PO, he knows too much. Go uh, wipe his mind. Go just start over. Just So how often do they have to do this with these First Order troopers to keep them in line, like you're saying? Uh, I mean, there's got to be some sort of failure percentage, but I, I think normally it's probably caught pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Finn was, I mean, Finn was caught right away, but... Fortunately, he had Poe there, and they concocted a plan to get out, even though it almost killed them. Pilot, because it's the right thing to do. You need a pilot. Hey, I I need a pilot. I need a pilot. We're gonna do this. (laughs) Uh, um, Stay calm. Stay calm. I am calm. Talking to myself. Talking to myself. (laughs) Who's talking? (laughs) But yeah, no. Like I think, yeah, I I think uh, the brainwashing thing was useful even if you look at shows and movies where they do brainwashing it's super effective or look at cults that are there today the the chick who was in smallville who was part of that sex cult oh yeah ellison mack yeah, yeah i mean you you can brainwash it's... people into believing something and they don't think they're doing anything wrong they think it's their own idea kind of like the inception sure. shit yeah i wonder how much this is going to play into there are there have been rumors for episode nine that there is going to be a uprising of sorts among the first order troops that Finn may um, 
he may be the spark that lights this fire. That Ignite is... the spark. What's, yeah. what's the response? Is... What's the response? Oh, I gotta look it up. Ignite the spark. Uh... Light, Light the, fire. the fire. Yeah. Light the fire. Batu. Uh, who? Only the ancients know. But um, <laughs> no, like uh, to go back to the, uh, the the question I asked you about the about the star destroyers. You have the first star destroyer. Then uh, I mean, I think there's there's hints in canon. Death star. Oh yeah, that's what, yeah, thank you. So you have the first Death Star. Then you have the second Death Star. I mean, look how long it took to build the first Death Star. There are hints in canon that the second Death Star was actually in production since about the time of the first Death Star. Because if you read stuff like Catalyst and um, Tarkin, you know, the whole reason that they started making the Death Star is because what did Palpatine do to start the war? He pitted two factions against each other, but he was actually playing them both the whole time. And the rumor was that the Separatists were building a Death Star. So the Republic started building a Death Star in response. I think that they were both being built at the same time. One was just a whole lot bigger. Uh, and- you see, I'll I'll, uh, I'll agree and disagree because I think that the second Death Star was built much faster because they knew how to build one. And when it came to Scarif, they knew exactly what plans were stolen. You know what I mean? So they knew right. how the first Death Star would have been destroyed. And the whole idea was for Return of the Jedi was that this Death Star wasn't operational and they're gonna blow it up beforehand. So that so it needed to be in construction, but all the weapon systems were still available. Functional. Because and the, they already had and the weapon systems. And they and they knew that the the rebels were going to Endor to try to knock down the shield and stuff. So uh, they yeah. thought they had all their bases covered to the point where they could use the Death Star to just destroy the entire Republic fleet, right. and then everyone well, on the ground would be captured, and and that would be the way it was. So that's the reason why I think that they, the Emperor and his hubris allowed this to happen while the system wasn't completed yet. Because if you look at the ship, there's like a quarter of it missing, you know? Oh yeah, more than that. Yeah. And and huge holes and open you can fly into and out of. They weren't expecting the they weren't expecting uh, the shield oh, to go down. Yeah. There's yeah. no there's no way that the emperor would have accepted the fact that the shield would have gone down. Well, my my point is, so you have the even no matter when they were built, when they were started to be built, um, the emperor's hubris aside. Uh, why do you need real... more than why do you need more than one? You can travel at hyperspeed. Why why would you need one? Keep you just take one, one somewhere where they're just just for uh I mean even for hyperspace it takes a while to travel across the galaxy. So I mean you could have and it was just like a pitting against each other thing. Maybe he was just seeing who could get it finished first cuz that was his whole game plan of the whole war. Well that would which... mean that the second one would have the same flaws as the first one. At that point, yes. But, I mean, at the end, at, at the rise of the Empire, they still hadn't figured out the actual weapon. They still hadn't figured out how to weaponize it. They were building the shell. So my point is, maybe they were just building the shell of both Death Stars. Because the Separatists were building one, and the Empire slash Republic was building one. But they were actually all Palpatine. So I, mean, I think, I think maybe... 
you're right. It. Like maybe, maybe they started building the second one after uh, they destroyed Jetta City. Right. Like once it was yeah. proven, you know what I mean? Yeah. Once it was Keep proven, going. sure. Yeah, start building the second one. But by the time that even happens, it's only like what? Uh, six months, a year before? Yeah, I think it was way before that. I think it was. Because no, like you see the beginning of like the end of Rogue One is the beginning of take, even if you take the weapon system out of that, it's a huge floating system. It's a moon. They already had, you know, space stations out in deep space. We know the Emperor was already dealing with stuff with the unknown regions, wanting to venture into the unknown regions. Why not have a floating moon full of your troops to go out there? as a floating base to be able to take over more systems. Right. But, I mean, but I mean, system, you already have hyperspace and you already have star yeah, destroyers. But the, hyperspace, the, you the can't, you can't travel in hyperspace through the unknown regions at that point. It's, it's, so there's so many wormholes and stuff. I, I but think I think it's cheaper. It's cheaper just to send, just to send star destroyers, star and destroyers and as opposed yeah. to a giant, but you giant have a docking fueling space station. You have you have to have somewhere for the star destroyers to dock to fuel, but my point is my point is the the real world aspect of the first people complain you had the first Death Star it failed so what'd you do you built another Death Star bigger okay it failed so what'd you do you built another Death Star like thing Star Killer base and Force Awakens they talk about how it's even bigger do we not do the same thing it's like okay you have the ability to destroy a planet. All right, if you if you scale that down to real world, you know, like our real world, that's like destroying a city or a country, right? So we had a nuclear bomb. Did we stop at the nuclear bomb? No. We have the hydrogen bomb now. If we were to use the the nuclear hydrogen technology that we have today, it would put to shame the bombs that we, you know, dropped on Hiroshima. Oh yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And that—that's what it is. They just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Are they going to stop because somebody? I mean, they use their bombs. Are but they I mean, going to stop I mean, because somebody yeah, blew it up? Yeah, and I think and you I really—we really, didn't really get to see the second Death Star and what it was capable of. But destroying a planet is pretty, pretty damn big on its own. But then you see Star Killer Base, who blew up like five planets. Yeah, it blew up a system, man, in one shot. And, and, were... that, and that's the first one that was successful, minus the destruction of Alderaan, which was just a test. Um, well, this, though, think of this. How does Starkiller base, it could be, a, a, you know, like, it can double its destruction power. Because think of this. Starkiller base is a planet, but it travels through hyperspeed, hyperspace, right? There's some crazy technology right there. But it has to, how does it get its does it get its power casey from suns from stars so it drains stars what happens called star killer base what happens if our sun is drained we die so not only is it destroying the planet it's shooting its lasers at across space and time it's destroying the system, the entire system. It destroys systems with its lasers, and it destroys systems. Well, the thing it- is, the thing is, I, I don't think that they're being that macabre about it. I think it's uh, 
because there is such a thing as rogue stars. There are just stars that are floating around with no planets around them. I'm just saying that's but it's potential. It is, yeah, no, it is potential. But I think the thing is, like, if you're getting close, if you're in a system that has defense capabilities of any kind, and you start draining their star, they're gonna they're gonna come at you with full force. You know what I right. mean? With with way more than what the resistance did in the Force Awakens. And I think that they're going to go all out trying to stop whatever's happening to their planets. So they have to absorb this from rogue, empty <laughs> systems or, uh, you know, uh, like rogue stars, like I said, and shoot it. Sh- shoot it accurately, obviously, to predict orbits and stuff like that. That's more math than that's probably a Tim Q thing. He was probably there. <laughs> calculating the trajectories of the shots and stuff but uh he would be if 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 we're gonna assign roles in the star wars universe our buddy tim q would be like the galen urso he'd be like the mad scientist that they're gonna take and lock up somewhere to figure all this crap out and (laughs) scheming and underhanding the whole time just to just undermine these evil wretch who would sean Sean be Oh, Sean. Oh, my Lord. Sean. Look at real life jobs, too. Like, so he's a supply chain guy. So he could be the one assisting getting like all the Tarkin. materials. Tarkin? You like Tarkin or, or Krennic? I think, he, I think he'd be more of a Krennic because he's yeah. the one who, like, made all these things happen, built up the chains, and found the people to make this built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, who would you, who would you place me as? Oh boy, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name now. You would be. What's what's the guy's name in episode three? One, two, and three. He is the the emperor's like right hand man. Oh, the Twi'lek dude. No, he's not Twi'lek, but he he has like the head tails like Twi'lek. So I'm just a guy who goes with the power. Is that what you're saying? You're the guy. So if you think of Palpatine as like the director, he's the guy with the vision. Masamita. That's the, his bureauc- name. the bureaucrat. You would, be, you would be Mas Amida. The bureaucrats. You're the guy. Yeah, you're the guy that makes stuff happen. He becomes the <laughs> vice emperor. You are the producer. Of the Imperial War Machine. <laughs> All right, so what about me? Who who am I? Well, we're talking we're talking about real life jobs. <laughs> um, I'm not even. T- I'm talking about personality slash. I, I I don't know. Just 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 personality. If if you were so, to stick uh, stick it so, to the Star Wars so Tim Q gets some like Galen Erso, super cool human. Sean gets director Krennic, super cool human. I get an alien with like a staff. You are the vice emperor. <laughs> uh, what would you be? Um. I think you, because you are very good with people and making friends. Uh, 
I didn't want to say it because I'm just pissed that I'm some retarded alien guy. But I, I could see you as either like a, a Han or a Poe. Huh. Because you you were good enough with people like I am to get information as it's as it's needed and required and also act on it. Um, well, I mean, you could look at both sides. Like, all right, say you are, you're Masamita on the, the, the emperor, the dark side, you would be like, you'd be like a Bail Organa for the, for the Republic, for the rebellion. Bail Organa is very much like the producer, the make things happen guy. Mon Motham became the figurehead, became the chancellor, because she was all that's left. But it was Mon Mothma and Bail Organa who started the like the the uh, the thousand systems against the emperor or whatever, you know, against the chancellor or whatever. You see, you I, would... I I see myself more as a general Hux, to be honest, because <clears throat> uh, even though I know how to get stuff done and I'm strong and confident and capable. Uh, there are still people above me who terrify the shit out of me and can destroy my career if they wanted to, like Snoke or, you know, Kylo. So, like, I, like if I had to pick pick someone for myself, I would probably is Nayup pick your uh, general. Is Nayup your admiral, your uh, your supreme leader, Snoke? He's kind of like a Kylo. <laughs> oh, but but the because there's like this uh, balance thing that's starting to happen now. Right. Right. Um, so we're, we're close, but, uh, but yeah, he's, I mean, I even told him this before. He's like, man, you never like bring me this. And I'm like, dude, at the end of every fucking video, it says directed by Nip. It doesn't say produced by Casey anywhere. Right. No one's reaching out to me. They're reaching out to you. They see your name. But who's the man behind the scenes making stuff happen? Fricking Bail Organa. General. Mas Amida. <laughs> Order! No, that's, that's, that's how you made me feel. You made me feel like Snoke right there. That's why I stood up. <laughs> General. General. Yeah. yeah dude, that, yeah. that was honestly the most frightening scene with Snoke. In The Force Awakens, at least. Oh, yeah. Probably all in all. When he's just the hologram and he's huge. And know, Hux is coming up with like excuses. And he stands up and just says, General. Oh, man. Man. You know what was scary with with uh, with Snoke was in the Last Jedi when he was just whipping Ray around like she was a rag doll when she was using because so think of it anytime we've seen a Force user for the most part use the Force you think that's why you don't see it a lot you don't see Force users it's few and far between that you see a force user force push another force user. You don't see a force user mind trick another force user or try to, you know, imply his, you know, put his, uh, impress his will upon another force user with a force because it's like, it's like a, you know, like an HP kind of power balance thing. You can't just do this to another force user. Like Obi-Wan says, it only works on the weak minded. Ray is pretty powerful in the force. Yeah, but I, I but I mean you have to look at it as in like like a ragdoll man. At at this point in time, Snoke is like the granddaddy. Kylo and Rey, I I I think that Snoke probably learned from Palpatine, in some sort of way. Don't teach your apprentice everything you know. Types type thing. 
Um, and it was probably, again, hubris that killed him. I can see him turning his weapon on his enemy, blah, blah, blah. But the thing that really got me about Snoke wasn't just the fact about throwing Ray around like crazy, because I get, I kind of get that, because they're, it, he's been projected as this crazy, all-powerful force user. But the thing that really got to me was when he was just a hologram and right. threw Hux around. Oh, yeah. At the beginning of The Last Jedi? Yeah. Yeah. He was a super scary guy, and I think but, we're going to But that see... wasn't the first time that things have been done over hologram. If you remember Darth Vader, he did choke to death. One of those uh, admirals. Yeah. Admiral, uh... Oh... Because he said he was a fool for bringing them out of hyperspace too close. And he just choked him out. So it wasn't the first time Force powers had been used over a hologram or something like that or over a long distance. But this is the well, first time you see like Alpha physical people out over like across the galaxy. He could reach out and like choke Darth Vader out. Yeah, no, like, this stuff's crazy to me, like, dude. No powers that we could we could see that's why i think it's gonna be old pelpy behind all this yeah no i mean it has to be in some they have to do something bigger and the only then the biggest thing that we've known is the emperor and darth vader so and yeah i mean it's got to be and why would and we've talked about this before, but why would Snoke seem so emaciated and scarred if right. the Emperor didn't have something to do with it? Maybe he had some of the Emperor's power, but then he got stupid with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Or maybe it's just a, a vessel, a, a holder. Look at like uh, Voldemort in uh, in Harry Potter. For a while, he was just using people. Like uh, Quirrell, Professor Quirrell in Sorcerer's Stone. Pop, 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 stuttering Quirrell. <laughs> yeah, and then he was drinking yeah. unicorn blood, and then he got Harry's blood, and thank Ooh. you. What, what do you say? What's the what's the rat guy's name? Thank you. It's not Padfoot. That's serious. Oh, uh, yeah, no, that uh, it was. Um... Scabbers. It was uh, Peter Pettigrew. Peter, thank you, Peter. Wormtail. The Wormtail, yeah. And then he uh, does the when he has a metal hand. Well, yeah, like the magic metal hand. Thank yeah. you, Master. What? Yeah, we could be seeing this. What if, like, we've uh, we've theorized before? It's part of one of our last last couple episodes where we talked about the theory that, um. You know, the comics have revealed partially, as Victor's question a couple weeks ago, um, the comics revealed that we've seen a couple of a couple of the, the slides there. Anakin is going through, he's having this vision, and he, he's like walking through his life, parts of his life after he's, been, after he's Darth Vader. And he sees his mother there, and you see um little boxes say like unnatural and then it's Palpatine standing over me in like a swirling energy and it says you know there was no father but it's Palpatine there 
manipulating something in Shmi to make, presumably to make Anakin. And the theory is, what if in order to seek out eternal life, because um, we know like if you're so powerful in the dark side, it it drains your physical form. Your form cannot withhold that power. It can't take it. That's why you look like, like Snoke. That's why you look like Palpatine. That's why they, they die younger because it just takes a toll on your physical body that they created this super force user a la Anakin Skywalker to embody, to transfer their essence into. What if Anakin was created for Palpatine to groom and raise and then eventually he was just going to take over Anakin's body? But what happened? Anakin got burnt to a crisp and he got, you know, half of his body cut off. So yeah, a couple limbs removed swiftly. So good. He tries to bring Luke in. Maybe he's going to do the same thing to Luke. Oh, well, Luke won't turn. He won't touch the dark side. So Palpatine can't transfer his essence via the dark side. So now you have Kylo. What if this whole thing is just to get Kylo to possess Kylo? Or what if Ray is a result of yeah, Anakin I mean, Skywalker's I mean, DNA? Yeah, uh, who, I mean, yeah, like it all blood, depends on like, where Ray is, but yeah, Kylo is Skywalker blood, and it was always said that, you know, back in the OT, that uh, a descendant of Skywalker, you know what I mean, would would be a force to be reckoned with, essentially. So, you guys need to read. Uh, Dooku Jedi Lost and Jedi Master and Apprentice because there are several prophecies that are in those books that I think are going to that are been set out and okayed by the story group that are going to tie directly into episode 9 the entirety of the chosen one prophecy we'll go into this on, on a later show has been laid out in these books as well as a couple other prophecies that tie into it and it 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 says it it says that the the chosen one is a him, but here I I drop this nugget of knowledge on you guys. It says that through him balance will be brought through the force through him the chosen one, not by him. Through him, so through him could could mean through his teachings. There's another prophecy that. I mean, says, through could also mean by at the same time, because even Yoda goes into the great situation. Could have been, yeah, a prophecy misread. So uh, I so, mean, thus far we've been saying like it has to be the chosen one that is going to do it himself, but maybe it is because of the chosen one, because of his actions, because of his life, because of his son, because of his grandson, because of the one that his grandson, or because of the one that his son trained, because of the one you know. There's some gray area there. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, if you look at religion today and and how people interpret various versions of the Bible or the Quran or whatever that they read, it's, it's all saying essentially the same thing. But if people read it in a different way based off of their upbringing and their own internal mechanisms it's it's it can it can end up meaning something very different which is why we have extremists and things like that uh, and that's 
I mean, that's like I, I, I've said to several people, like you have different interpretations of the Bible. You have the word for word translations and you have the thought for thought translations. And the example I always use is back then they were speaking a different language with different lingo, just like the Batu lingo that we were just talking about. Right. But like, for instance, there was like uh, like if you were to say, hey, what's up, dog? What's that mean? Uh, probably a, sl- a sl- if I were to guess a slang term for a lower, well, if I were to say to you, Hey, what's up dog? What's that mean? Oh, what's that mean? So, yeah. Like what's going on? Hey, how you doing? What's going on? But so that's a thought for thought that's going back. That's looking at the, the, the time, the culture, the place, uh, what would it mean in that instance? Okay. That's thought for thought. So that's some Bible translations are thought for thought. Some are word for word. So word for word would be like, it would translate it like a dog is up in the air. And you're looking at this like, what in the world? What does that have anything to it's do? Raining cats raining and dogs. Cats and yeah, dogs. It's raining cats. Yeah, it's a, we know that means it's heavily raining. But to somebody a thousand years from now, if they look at it, it's raining cats and dogs, they're like, is this some sort of apocrypha, some sort of apocalyptic revelation that the dogs, just, cats and dogs will fall ground, from the sky? The ground is splattered with blood and bones and fur. Cars have been ruined by rogue dogs flying through the windshield. Yeah, there, I mean, there's lots of ways to take it. And to get all the way back to Brian's question, which spurred these uh, crazy, crazy uh, side side questions, I, I think it just comes to... If you want to believe in this fantasy, it's not as much science fiction as it is fantasy, science fantasy, then there's an explanation for it. If you want to believe, if you, but if, if you don't want to believe, if you want to find problems, sure, there's plot holes, just like explosions in space. It's never been about physics. Right. Star Wars has its own physics. It has its own set of rules. Yeah. So, it's it's not what it's about, but it's about it's about the story. It's about the characters. It's about good versus evil. It's about the fantasy. There are explanations out there if you want to find them, and there are problems if you want to nitpick at them. You can nitpick, you can nitpick literally everything. It's it's just it just comes down to can you suspend your belief or disbelief long enough to enjoy something and have a good time. Yeah. We are the talking Sith. You can find us across all social media platforms at the talking Sith pod. Send us an email, send us a voicemail, send us a voice recording through email. Let us know what your thoughts, your theories on star Wars and, uh, all it's, uh, greater mysteries. We would love to discuss them. Most like the majority, the, the longest parts of our previous podcasts have been discussing uh, other people's questions. So bring them on, baby. Bring them on. Let, let us know what your thoughts and your thoughts and Star Wars concerns are. I am a, uh, a, a Star Wars apologist. You'll rarely find something in Star Wars that I will not try to explain away just because, because of that. I take Star Wars as as a, uh, a historical document. This is just what happened and the way it happened. Just like our own personal histories, we can look back at them and we can wonder and some things just don't make complete sense to us. Why do they do the things they did? How did these things happen the way that they did? It's just because they did. Let's find and, out why. And some things are dug things up are in the future. 
to reevaluate the past, which is kind of what we're seeing now. So it's exciting. It's an exciting time for Star Wars in general. We are the Talking Sith. May the dark side be with you. We'll catch you next time. Casey, I believe you like to say. Good. <laughs> Everything expressed in the podcast is the intellectual property of Talking Sith. We are not affiliated with Disney or Lucasfilm in any way. Star Wars is their property. We just like to talk about it.